0: hello hey everyone welcome to this episode of the healing hearts podcast which is a very special episode today is the 16th anniversary of when i was attacked by two pit bulls. both of our lives have changed changed forever
1: changed forever this is my
0: mom kimberly browns
1: nice
0: to meet y'all superhero outstanding mom and um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for her and all of the many choices and sacrifices that she made as a mother, but also as a parent to make sure that not only I grew up in a life in a world that I was comfortable with being myself, and she was comfortable with letting me go out in this world. Chloe, go sit down. Go sit down. Go sit. With being comfortable in this world, but also just making sure that. I take learning and wisdom and understanding like how to be kind to others even even though I was going through my hard times and you know she says she gives me a lot of credit for everything. She says she was just the back the backbone of who I am, but I definitely give her credit because I could have been uh, really angry this whole entire time and really spiteful but she definitely made sure that I saw the brighter side to things that were often really cloudy. That so, was God's blessing, that's all. So mom, welcome welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you for having me. It's nice being here. To share this day and moment with you. Like that, it's really nice being yeah. here.
0: Yeah. You could just you yeah. ain't gotta you ain't gotta look at the screen and just me and you talking in a regular conversation. In terms of like what is how did like me and you were on two separate sides of today's story, you know? Right. Like, I I went through the experience, but also, you were the one that had to, like, go back there and deal with the dogs. You were the one that dealt with all of the, like, the police, like, animal control. You are the one that went to try to find the ears. You, you would try to go find, you know, parts of me that wasn't out there anymore. Um,
1: yeah, I needed to see, though. I needed to make sure that they were... Got there, if they was there, then we could get them in some ice and bring them to you. Right, right. You know, that was the goal, and then to make sure that the dogs got to animal control so they could test them, make sure that they didn't have no type of diseases and stuff so we could know to get you the right medicine that you needed that day. So that's what that was about. Yeah. So
0: how does, how does today feel for you, like, each and every year? Like, it's been 16 years, it feels like it was the damn near the same day for me. But like, how does it feel for you each and every year?
1: It just seemed like just yesterday, but you grow each year that er every anniversary comes because I see how you have grown. So it makes me feel better about it, about the situation. I still feel horrible that it happened, but it's in God's hands now. Yeah, sixteen yeah. years. I'm just saying. Right. So yeah. he took over and he kept you here. And he gave me my miracle that I was deserving of.
0: Feel free to drink water whenever you need to take a sip or anything. Can you talk about what it was it like? Um, not a lot of people believe me when I say that. Like you were like fighting people in the emergency room. Cause you got that last, right?
1: Yeah, I got that last. Everybody was there because I was dealing with the police and the cops, with the dogs and everything. So when I got there, everybody was in doubt mode. But when you left me, you were saying your name, you had your mm-hmm. address, you knew your birthday. Yeah. And so my goal was not to let them and their negative thoughts get to me and the only thing I want to do was stand on my face and I knew you was okay, because you was talking. I saw the damage, I knew how bad it was, but you was talking to me, so your brain was all right, you was good, you made me feel good about what you said. Mom, I'm okay, it's okay, I'm, I'm all right, I'm good. Yeah. Things like, my name is Joshua Dixon. And then you gave them your address, and that made me tear up. But I knew it was all right. Yeah. So to go there and hear them all talking crazy about you finna the die, I wasn't trying to hear that at all. I wasn't trying to hear that at all. They needed to go. wasn't no wasn't no room for no negativity in that room.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody that was negative had to leave that room, and I made sure of it with security. Yeah. So they had to go to a different part of the hospital away from me. And then I just started praying. There's there's no way that God was gonna let take you away from me. I had already lost one child. I was, wasn't ready to lose another. And so that was my faith. Like I was deserving of a miracle for that day. So that's what it was.
0: Yeah. Nah. I definitely remember. I don't remember all of the words to this day. I don't remember exactly everything that I've said, but I do remember talking the whole entire time. I remember getting in the ambulance, and I remember uh, when I got into the ambulance, I was doing good for a while. I think it was like closer to like Garfield. I started to like bleed a little bit more because the ambulance is warmer than it was outside, and that's when they like. And I like started putting ice bags on my face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Dad was just in the corner whole
1: crying. En- whole
0: entire time. I know. I'll never forget. He was just in the corner covered in my blood, just like just staring, not even saying nothing. You know, I was answering all of the questions for him. And
1: uh it's exact same way he was at the hospital in <laughs> the corner, not seeing anything, crying. Yeah it's not a lot of help, but I don't know. I just had God. That was, yeah. just, that was all I needed was to talk to him. At the end of the day, that's all I needed.
0: Yeah. Before we get to like dive deep into the accident and the significance of it, what brings you here, and and like what makes you you? Like how how, how you get here for <laughs> you know. Forty some years later. Like, what, what brings you here? Tell us about your kids. Tell us about tell us about it as much as you want, but like who what, what makes Kimberly Kimberly?
1: I don't know. I have a strong faith background, dealing with great grandma, grandma, my grandma Nancy, my grandpa, my grandma Naisui, my grand my great grandma, Mama dear. I stayed around them for a long time. They instilled the Lord into me really strong. They helped me through a lot. As being an abused kid coming up in a household that was domestic violence, I really just kept being happy and just believing the Lord. And they helped me to the point of that. Mm -hmm. I had a child early on in life. As a teenager. Uh, 13 years old. I got pregnant. I had him when I was 14. So he's 31 and I'm 45. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the end of man.
1: But then I moved out when I was 15, got a masturbated because I was still being abused. And then she's my mother started abusing my my first child. So it's time for me to move. And my grandma, Nicely, helped me move out. She helped me go to the court and get a master paper so I can't move out. So, by that, and not really never having a mom, I always want to be the best mom that I could ever be. So, and I always want to always tell my kids every day that I love them. That's something I never heard mm-hmm. from her. From my grandma's, I heard I love you. From my dad, I heard I love you. I never heard that from my mom. Mm -hmm. So my aunties and uncles, my uncle Bayron your Auntie Margaret helped me to, he used to come get me and take me to grandma's house when my daddy wasn't there. So it was a long journey of mistreatment and abuse that I didn't want y'all to go through. But it made me a person that was standing on faith and it kept me happy and grounded. And that's what I needed, like, to believe in something. And it was God. And so to this day, I still live bubbly and happy. And I'm very appreciative of him being in my life because without him and without those earthly angels that he gave me i don't know what it would be like to be truthful yeah so and then i had y'all and so i always say i'm rich because i'm rich in love you Uh, know that's something that as a child i really didn't have from my mother that i always wanted but I knew I was rich, cause my kids was gonna love me, and I was gonna tell them every day that they love that I love them, mm-hmm. and not miss a day without telling them that I love them. So it been it been a battle back and forth for trying to be the best mama that I could be,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm trying to be a good mom. So everybody say I am, but it's always improvement. Mm-hmm. And that's what I say to that. So. Then I had Josh, I had Dominique, which is his sister, in 97, in 96, December the 6th, 96, which her birthday is tomorrow. And then she passed away at five months of sudden infant death, a seed, as they call it, back in the 90s, for being laid on her stomach, and she went to sleep and didn't wake back up. So I was still in high school, still having kids. But I was living on my own, taking care of my kids, making sure they do everything. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I was 18 when I got pregnant with her.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Then she passed away. I was in my senior year of high school. I had like maybe two, a month left, because she passed away in May. Mm -hmm. So I dropped out of school for, for a couple of months, but the next semester I came back, even though I was supposed to graduate in 97, I just needed a break so I can get myself together. And then once I did that, I came back, finished high school, because I needed my kids to do better than me. And so I want to do better than my mom and dad. And so I finished high school in 98 and studied in 97. I only needed a credit, a half a credit to graduate. But, so I only went to school for an hour that year for a couple of months. And then once I got my half a credit, I wound up walking across the stage in June in 98. Went on to uh, get my cosmetology license. Then, a little while later, here come Joshua in 99, Mm -hmm. and I had him. And he was born early, a month early, but it was a blessing that he came. And he was healthy. He had to stay in the hospital for a week because he was a little giant, but he was a nice-ass baby, six pounds, five ounces.
0: I'm surprised you remember that. It's been twenty, almost twenty, almost twenty-five years.
1: I remember all y'all sizes. That's something that a mother would really remember. Like each time I met one of y'all, it was special for me. Okay. So Dominique was three pounds five ounces. Your brother was a big baby. <laughs> yeah. He-, he was seven pounds ten ounces. He was the biggest baby out of them all. That wouldn't come out. took me three days to have him.
0: Man, the man still lives a big baby.
1: (laughs) He is. Very. Both of them, all of them is rotten. Mm -hmm. So, to have this bundle of joy again, to look at life again and say, he gave me another miracle to raise. He protect me, so I got to protect them. And then, for this to happen to him, I had just had surgery, so I wasn't able to, like, walk with him to school that day. Mm -hmm. So he was supposed to walk home with the neighbor. And when he was missing for two minutes, I was panicking, looking for my baby. And I walked next door, and his daddy went in the backyard, and his daddy found him. Because usually if we went to work, he would go next door to grandma's house, grandma and grandpa's house. Grandma Griffin and Grandpa Griffin mm-hmm. next door, which was our neighbors. So they will help us with the kids. If we was at work, they would get them and keep them until we come home. So I went over there to see if Josh was there. And he wasn't there. And Then I walked back to the house, and that's when his daddy was screaming. And came in the house with him. And I called the police and the ambulance to come and get him. Mm-hmm. And they took him to the hospital that day. That was a very intense day. For sure. I was glad that he was talking. (laughs) He knew everything. So his man was there. And then he never liked to be called Josh. It was always Joshua. He said, Everybody asked him, What's your name? My name is Joshua. So. We made sense to go around his bed, say, my name is Joshua, but you can call me Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) It's just to make people laugh, you know? That's how hilarious he was when he was a kid. Very proper. He used to say, God bless you when he was three. He went Mm -hmm. to preschool when he was three. Very smart boy. So... My rule of thumb is if you're potty trained and you can talk back to your mama, it's time for you to go to school and yeah. learn something new and be with other people your yourself. So I made sure that they went to school at the age of three. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it was just for a couple of hours. It was for they could be with their peers instead of them being in grown folks' face. Yeah. And that's just the way I felt about that's just
0: it. The, that's just the way we was raised.
1: Yeah, so... It was about getting it education. My daddy didn't finish, like, and he installed in us like we needed to go to school. We needed to finish school, cause he had to stop and start working, cause his daddy died. Mm-hmm. So that's what I installed in them. And so he was, his job was to go to school every day. That's the way they paid their rent to me. Was by getting good grades and going to school. That was their rent to me.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's how they got everything they wanted by paying their rent to me. So, to go from that to the accident, it was a long day because they had to put him in surgery, they had to put him to sleep, they had to clean his face. They had, it's called bereavement. Mm -hmm. So, they just took all the dirt and little hairs and fibers from the dog out of his skin and they had to clean it up before they could do anything. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most longest days of my life.
0: 27 hours.
1: Yes, 27 hours. It actually was 28, oh, 28, but he was under for 27. Okay. Because it took them an hour to get them ready to go into surgery. Because mm-hmm. they had to cut all your clothes and stuff yeah. off. And- to to get all of that bloody stuff and to thank God that it was cold that day. Mm -hmm. Because if it was not cold, it would have been a different outcome. And I had
0: the leather jacket.
1: Yeah, and you had a leather jacket on.
0: That leather jacket definitely saved my life too.
1: It really did. That leather jacket saved his life because they couldn't get to his throat. Yeah. They couldn't get to his throat because it zipped all the way up Mm -hmm. to his neck. So, they couldn't get to his throat, so all they could do is mess up his face. Yeah. So, they took all this and the nose, left part is lit. This part was gone on the side over mm-hmm. here, so they pulled that over some. Ears was gone. Yeah. Nose was gone. Eyelid from the left eye was gone. Mm-hmm. The eye was still there, but it was damaged. Yeah. To learn that the dogs had attacked him. I want to kill them myself. But we needed to test them to make sure that they didn't have no diseases or anything that could make him sick. Mm-hmm. So we needed to know all of that. But 10 days after that, they put them dogs down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I felt once you taste blood, you are not going to stop. And shoot, which was our dog, used to lay in a bed with him. She was the the tiniest dog of the litter. She was the runt. So, to never respect that. Even though she was trying to protect him mm-hmm. from the boy dog, she the one that did the most damage. Mm-hmm. Trying to pull him away from the boy dog. Yeah. So that devastated me to find that out. Yeah. Really devastated me.
0: We're going to get to that part. Because um, I remember, because you guys kind of knew, everyone knew the result of that accident. No one really knew the pieces to the puzzle until I woke up. Well, until after I woke up and I remembered everything. Right. Because I didn't remember everything once I woke up. Um. Uh, first, I
1: got woke je- up on my birthday.
0: Yeah, we I,
1: best birthday present ever.
0: <laughs> before we get to uh, before we get to that, uh, would you like to talk about the process of em- being emancipated and like what does that mean, and like who should get emancipated? Like who? Like like if you're a kid and you're going through something. Like what kind of kids do you think should be emancipated or or should try to be emancipated?
1: Okay, so you have to have a strong will because the judge gonna ask you like, is you capable of taking care of yourself? If you, is you capable of doing for yourself? In most cases, it's a lot of kids out here that's being abused and being neglected at home. Or being sexually assaulted at home, then if you have somebody to back you, like a grown up that really supports you and loves you, then that's the person you need to talk to. Because I talked to my grandma, my grandma made sure of it. I was working, I had the means to take care of me and my child. So she made sure that I could get out there on my own, get my own house, which was an apartment, which was a studio, but I was happy. It was my studio, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was nice. But you had to have that that I can do attitude and anything that you put your mind to and you had that I can do attitude, then the judge will accept you as being emancipated because as long as you got that attitude that you could do and you're not dependent on the person that's abusing you, then he will emancipate you and set you free. If not, then you need to find the relative that truly loves you and take a moment out with you and the judge will let you go live with them Mm -hmm. so you could be out of that situation. So you don't have to stay, and be miserable, and want to harm yourself 'cause of that, because I went through that too.
0: Was it a long process to get emancipated back then, or was it? Did it take like months? Did it take weeks? Like, how long did it take?
1: It was that day. Oh, that day. It? it was that day. The judge ordered it. Okay. Grandma told him my mama had beat me. I got this scar and that scar right there. So she had beat me like my eyes was black, I have a swollen face, like her ring indents was all over my face, so she forgot to take her rings off before she came to court, and my grandma took me there for the simple fact that my face was messed up that day and The judge saw her rings on her hand and looked at my face and was like, there's no doubt about, she did this to this girl. And grandma said that I was capable of taking care of myself or I could come live with her. And the judge emancipated me so I'd be able to get my assistance that I needed from public aid and everything for my son. So I'd be able to continue to take care of him and that's
2: how that wound up happening.
0: But he ordered it that day. Okay. That's cool. I, I thank you for bringing that up. Because I, I definitely, there's a few admirers in the community who who had been emancipated when they were, like, teenagers. And I find like that's, that, that should be talked about a little bit more, that that's a possibility. That, you know, if you fit the criteria, you can be emancipated and you will be, like, legally liable for yourself. You could go to the doctor for yourself. You don't need a parent or guardian to sign for you. You could sign for yourself. You,
1: you were you could sign for yourself even in high school, because I'm the one who oriented myself into yeah. high school. I'm the one who I got emancipated before high school. I was in eighth grade. So, so
0: you were fourteen?
1: Yeah. No, I was I was getting ready to be fifteen.
0: So okay, so about to be right
1: high school, so I'm the one who sent myself into high school. Okay, and they got mad at me, said they needed a, a grown up to talk to. Well, I was my grown up, yeah. I was my person, but you could talk to my grandma if you need to talk to. But I wasn't gonna be no problem.
0: No, oh, thank you, thank you for for definitely bringing that up. Uh now to jog forward. Over a couple of decades, I can't. I'm bad at math. You know, you were you were the well, you were the one that was good at math. <laughs> Mom was definitely the one that was good at math. Dad was better at reading.
1: I don't yeah. know
0: if dad's still good at reading now.
1: Yeah, but, um, it was a it was a double team because yeah. I have a learning disability, but I never let like, that get into my way. Yeah. But uh, back then, public schools really wasn't all that. It was like my teacher was watching TV and doing her nails and studying and teaching us. So I didn't really learn, learn how to read until seventh grade. Uh-huh. And so I was behind, but I didn't know if that stopped me like, from raising my kids and making them better. So what I did was day punishments was sitting at the table doing dictionary papers or, so sitting there reading so we do our homework together we both sitting at the table together so that's the way it
0: went and for like everyone you know mom did cover pretty much the whole like the the span of the story but um december 5th 2007 i so 16 years ago from today a few hours actually from now um when we're recording this we're recording this uh eleven thirty eleven thirty a m central Standard time um december fifth twenty twenty three p m let's say about about three p m that time two
1: fifty eight that's when i was two fifty eight. okay yeah you were supposed to be at home two fifty
0: eight december fifth two thousand and seven um coming home from school it's a snowstorm well it, it wasn't stormy at that point but it definitely was a lot of snow. Short little kid. Definitely didn't hit my growth spurt until I was way older. I was short for my side, for my age. Uh, running home, running home from school. You know, uh, running home from school, and I usually enter uh, enter our house from the backyard. I was too young to have keys, um, but that was just something that like that's been that way for years. You know, like I I, I walked home from school there. So let's say I was in third grade, so I'm a, I'm probably been doing this for like three years now. Three years or so, you know, we're we're entering through the back the back door, plus my room's in the basement. So it made more sense, like how the house is up. It made more sense to come in through the basement. Right. Come on from school and uh, first day of the snow and um uh, I opened the gate and the the mail dog, which was Bam Bam, Bam Bam, Bam ran out ran out of the gate, and uh, I had pulled Bam Bam back into the yard by his tail back into the yard, and I had closed the gate, and the reason why people always say, like, why would you do that is I always had, like, me and my brother We were always told, like, oh, we were told by our dad, like, if it was our fault for a dog getting out, then, like, he, they would get on us for that, well, he would get on us for that. So that was just like me, just trying to not trying not to get my butt beat. You know, I'm just listening to orders, and uh, I looked up to my parents. So I always made sure I stayed in line. I, I didn't want to be disciplined like that. I used to get in trouble for my mouth more than my actions. Uh, and so, getting the dog back to the yard, and I closed the gate, locked the gate, and turned around. I slept on the ice that was by the back the back, by the back fence, and that's when. The boy dog launched at me and the attack started. I'm not going to go into the gruesome details that I told everyone when I, when I finally remembered everything. But that's when the attack happened. It only happened, it lasted for two minutes. And two the whole minutes. The whole entire time, I'm screaming, I'm screaming, stop. I'm screaming, stop. I'm not even crying. I'm just screaming, stop, trying to get them to stop. Because they were taught to listen to each and every one of us. But in that moment, like, no, they weren't. I knew instinctively that Bam Bam was trying to pull me into the garage where I knew I was going to die. I knew that instinctfully. Like as an eight-year-old, I don't, like eight-year-olds don't know the concept of death like that, but I knew in that moment, like the, where I was going, yeah, I was going to die if I was going to go in that garage with him. And, uh, the girl dog, shoot, um, even though she did the most damage. And if it wasn't for her, I mean, I probably wouldn't have made it because if they both were on the same team, I felt like I would've made it in that garage and it probably been over with. Right. Um, so thankful for her, she was trying to pull me towards the house, he was trying to pull me in the garage. So it was toggle war between me and two dogs and I was the string essentially um getting yanked by my face getting yanked by certain other things being yanked by my arm through the look through the leather jacket luckily none of their bites pierced pierced that jacket at all Um, uh, being basically just kind of slung around but um my dad came out and soon as he came out i mean i would say he's probably like 10 15 feet away from me i could see everything like I can remember everything as if, it, as if it happened not too long ago. Uh, Dad stood there in the middle of the yard and just stared. And every and the dogs went, they went into the garage. And, like, he just came and grabbed me and scooped me up and just, like, everything's going to be okay. And I was like, yeah, everything else is going to be okay. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong. Not even knowing that, like, I'm I'm more educated now, not even knowing that at that point I was already in shock, cause I didn't feel anything after that. I didn't have no like I was just cold. I remember being I remember being cold the whole entire time, and uh, I was like, um, oh, you know, I'm okay. I'm I'm, I'm okay. And um, dad took me in the house, sat me on the couch, and just held me crying the whole entire time, telling me everything is gonna be okay. And I saying, you came in, you heard him crying and hollering. And then, you know, then that's when it leads up to the part of your story.
2: where
1: Yeah, that's you know. when I was like, let me see what's going on. And then I called the police. And then the ambulance and the police was taking too long. Mm-hmm. Seemed like to me like I was trying to put, like, hold it, mm-hmm. put pressure on it so it could stop bleeding. Mm-hmm. And then they finally got there and they started cleaning you. And it was just. So your dad got in the ambulance and you was telling them your name and I was standing outside and they was like, Well, only one of y'all could ride with them and you had to stay here so the police made me stay there because he the one who had you in his arms, so yeah. I had to stay there and deal with the dogs until so they could get the dogs and then I could finally go to the hospital.
0: Yeah. How did you get there?
1: Yo, grandma.
0: Okay. Okay. So you both was the last ones there. Okay. I feel yeah. like I never I never I never thought to ask that part of the Because 'cause I'm like, how did OG get there?
1: Um your grandma and your granddaddy.
0: Okay. Yeah, I remember she was so
1: negative on the way that I was not trying to hear that.
0: I can imagine. I
1: just kept I kept praying. That's 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 all I could do was keep praying. And I, I didn't want to hear nothing nobody had to say. I just wanted to know that you was all right. Yeah. And it was a coincidence that it had a really, really bad snow day that day yeah. because the doctor, Dr. Golly was supposed to get on the flight that day. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been able to take care of my baby that day, but it snowed and he was the best doctor for the problem. And he just so happened to be there. Mm -hmm. Which I just felt like God was just making it like it was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So it was a blessing that he was there, which was amazing for me. Mm -hmm. The best doctor to take care of you and fix you and put you back together. Which I prayed over his hands for him before he touched you. And I just wanted God to take over his hands and for God to guide his hands and let God do the work for him. And that's all I needed to do. And after that, it was just sit there, pray, and wait. Yeah. Because I didn't get to see you until, like, you were asleep. And you had, like, your whole face wrapped up. Yeah. But he was so strong, they thought they put him to sleep, but he really wasn't asleep. He heard everything. As soon as he heard my voice, he trying to get out the bed. Being all strong, trying to get out the bed, trying to break loose, trying to get out the bed.
0: Yeah, after the 28-hour surgery, they put me in a medically induced coma while they did a lot of extensive repairs to my face that they said I probably, it was going to be too much for me to handle if I was awake. Also, they didn't know the extent of Like if there was any neurological damages, they, they were, everyone was pretty sure that there wasn't, but it was also just like a huge, guess that maybe there could be something. So they wanted to focus on just stabilizing my face, which took them about a month to really do that. Stabilizing my face, stabilizing my airways, getting, you know, getting rid of, finishing the debridement process, going through those really extensive skin grafts and all of that.
1: It was a lot. Was a they lot. couldn't do the skin grafts that day. They just did the bereavement. Oh, I
0: was talking about just like, you know, throughout yeah. that month of being yeah. in a coma. That's when they did like the first set of skin grafts and
1: Yeah, that yeah. day was pretty long. And then they let them rest for like two days. Yeah. And then the next surgery was 48 hours. It was one of the whew, longest. two. I was calling... While he was in surgery, I was on the surgery speaker talking to the doctor because I wouldn't stop calling so I could know what's going on with my baby. And so Dr. Golly was good. So he understood how it was. I'm a mother bear over my kids. So he let me talk on on the surgery speaker phone to him to understand how the surgeries was going because they wasn't calling me when they were supposed to call me. So, he had gave me his pager number. So, I just paged him like crazy because it was like more than 10 hours and I haven't got an update. And so, then he started making a nurse call while he was in surgery so they could talk to me. So, he built trust with me in the first couple of days. And I love him for that.
0: What do you, for you know, now we're getting to the point where we're in a certain kind of like being alive today is way different than being alive 16 years ago. Like not, not, not for, you know, like parents, like having kids, you know what I'm saying? Like, like young kids and being a parent and today like right now me and me and stan we're both grown right but like if if all of this happened today it would be a total different landscape um what would what would your advice be for parents who are having a child that needs special needs like me well special medical needs or special needs in general who are going through these kind of intensive medical surgeries or medical interventions or medical choices where an accident may have happened, a car accident or a fire act. Like, there's more people being burned now that I saw statistically than back then. There's more people being even attacked by dogs now than even 2007.
1: What I say is I always told myself that that's not my life. That's his life. And so I made him a part when he woke up of each and every surgery. And they needed to explain it to him. Not just me. They needed to explain it to him so he can understand it. That's his face. That's what he has to live with. Mm -hmm. Nobody else. So he needed to understand what was going on, what surgeries was going on, how it was going to benefit him. So they broke it down to him, and I would not sign that paper unless he agreed to surgeries. Mm -hmm. And he had to sign first, and then I would sign. Mm -hmm. They said he didn't have to sign. I said he did, because if he didn't sign his signature, then I wasn't signing. It's about including them, making them a part of the decision, which makes them feel better about what they're going through not leaving them out,
2: mm-hmm.
1: helping them understand what's going on, not leaving them out in the dark. Because when you leave them out in the dark, they start fighting you. Mm-hmm. So you want them to understand what's going on. You really want the doctors to break it down into kids' turn mm-hmm. for them to understand exactly what's going on. And then make sure they agree with that surgery because the doctor did one surgery and he got a little ambitious and he didn't ask me or Josh about it and we both was pissed off about it. Man. So I will always say, Josh, this is your life. This is your face. Let me know when you're satisfied and when you're clear with it. Until then, I'm gonna keep sending these papers To get you to where you want to be. And that's the way I got through that with him. Was making him a whole part of it. And he was the boss. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Even though he was eight years old. He was the boss. I, I knew what was best for him. But in that aspect... He wouldn't go go wrong because the doctors was gonna explain every single detail to him. Mm-hmm. So
0: it helps me deal with the pain too. A lot of them surgeries are really, really grueling.
1: There I were... mean,
0: waking up with tissue expanders, getting them expanded, waking up from skin grafts, feeling like you feel like, like, for my burn survivors out there, skin grafts feel like you've been lit on fire they feel like you you've been burned (laughs) again uh, i've never been i'm I'm not a burn survivor but like if if a skin graft is related i definitely can relate to how that that pain feels and i've had so many skin grafts but being a part of the being a part of the surgical plan and like understanding like hey we're gonna cut this we're gonna cut this much skin off you they would take a marker and they would they would roughly shape up where they were going to affect that area they're like hey this is going to hurt you know it's going to be some time healed from this." so when i woke up i knew what to somewhat to expect now there's a lot of things that you can't prepare a kid for but like at least it was it was a great start it was definitely a great start how did you how did what okay it's been some time i don't know if i was like this up front was I angry from the get go or was I angry after I after I remembered the accident?
1: No. You weren't angry until you found out you really had no ears.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's that's when you got angry. It was like you was helping other kids then yeah. and then that little boy told you, you didn't have no ears. But it was, it was a touchy situation because you cried because you said, you cried because you said that she, what if you needed to wear glasses? How was you going to wear glasses with no ears? So you weren't even upset about not being able to use your left eye or everything else. So you not having a nose. Yeah. It was the point that if you needed to wear glasses to see, you couldn't wear well them because you ain't had no ears
0: i remember that but i meant like when i started to the blame game like that game that
1: was later on okay. that was way later on it was like after the years and everything else and dean when you was in counseling and that's when that came up like blaming everybody but you was really humble about what happened like we didn't know that she was upset about anything until counseling. And that's when the blame game started. you are
0: you talking about counseling?
1: In a hospital. Like, in
0: the hospital. Okay, okay. Yeah. Counseling in a hospital. Okay, because I know, like, Denizulu, that was a whole different no. thing. Okay.
1: In the hospital.
0: Because yeah. I know that I was pretty, I was pretty harsh. Like, I was, it, for me, like, I understand like now as an adult I know I could have did a lot of that differently but it was just like I think the grief didn't sit in until like later on.
1: It was a lot later.
0: Yeah and I started to really grieve that like I'm like I started to sit there with the reality that I will never be the way that I was.
1: I was like more toward like you woke up January, so you was fine.
0: January the 8th, yeah, 2008. January the 8th,
1: my birthday. <laughs> uh, he got woke up that day, so they kept him in the bed and everything. But
0: Got the chicken pox.
1: Yeah, wind up with the chicken pops. I didn't have to worry about it because I had already had the chicken pox, so I wouldn't go catch him yeah. again. So I was able to go in the room with them and take care of him and everything. But it was like later in. February like the mid February is when like, mm-hmm. like the anger started coming out and I think that's when your dad stopped coming to the hospital
0: he really stopped coming like after I woke up to be honest like I yeah, would say like two I'm just, yeah, I'm just like
1: it. that was that was the thing of why you started getting really agitated because he had stopped coming to okay. the hospital yeah. So it was like adding up each and yeah, every day yeah. that he didn't come to the hospital with me or he didn't come to see that. you, like then you started getting really mad because to me your dad was your everything.
0: Yeah. So he was.
1: I think that hurt it. And by me being the one that was there every day, spending the night every day, being there with you, it just came out on me. Which I was okay with, because I was already blaming myself anyway mm-hmm. about everything. So,
0: and how long? I don't remember the I, I like it's it, the first few weeks feel like a blur to me. Always, uh, I do remember learning how to walk, and like I do remember the challenges and like hating learning how to walk. So when I woke up from a coma, everyone, <laughs> I didn't know how to talk anymore. No. I didn't, because a lot of my muscles that control speech are obliterated. They're gone because of the dogs. So, like, learning how to talk, I slurred a lot. I, like, it was just drool, just obsessive drool coming out of my face. Also, everything's swollen. I'm having surgery every, like, every three to four days. Like, two to three, maybe four days. Like, literally, I mean, shotgun surgeries. Like, we're re- not even fully healed going back in there doing something different um so i had to learn how to walk again i had to learn how to write again that didn't get perfect until way after that like i got out the hospital learn how to um talk write, eat hey i learning how to eat i feel like you guys were torturing me because i had to have the ng tube which is a nose tube that, like, feeds you nutrition. You get these pediatures poured into a tube. And now you got this snake-like thing. I used to always call it a snake-like thing that's apparently connected to my stomach, giving me this dang milk all the time. But people that, that my neighbors and stuff, my hospital neighbors, they get to eat, like, whole foods and stuff. And they're like, well, your mouth's healing. You know, you can't put food in. I didn't understand. I'm a kid. I want everything. I want the chips. I want the gummy worms. I want everything.
1: And I let him get a bag of chips and let him shaw. He couldn't eat them. His yeah, mouth was hurting yeah, too bad. Yeah. And then he left us alone about yeah, that. Yeah. So, that,
0: that was that was painful. Um, yeah. She it, gave me chips and I tried to eat them like how I remember how to eat them, and I started to like wake up all of the stitches and staples I have in my face, and it hurt. Oh my God, it hurt like it hurt like hell.
1: So my remedy was
0: To suck on him.
1: To make yeah, to suck on him, but to make him walk to the ice cream machine yeah. so we could get ice cream. So every day I would make him get up out that bed yeah. and I will push the wheelchair until he, you know, he will walk on the walker and I'll be behind him with the wheelchair and when he ready to sit down, he'll sit down and I was like, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And so he got up and he started walking. He used to be mad at me and fussing me and everything else. But it was okay because I was his therapist too. So let's get this done. And then it came to the point where his therapist didn't know how strong he was because he was going to the vending machine every night to go get ice cream which was fun. It was way on the other side of the hospital yeah. in the emergency room at comas, and we was in Comas hospital upstairs so we had to walk way over there and then the security guard knew what I was doing so each one of us to let us through. They will use their cars to let us through so they became family too yeah. because they knew I was trying to get him up and walking and get him back ready to be able to be a part of the world
0: yeah for sure when did you when did you know how much like i feel like you knew my worth before i even like I didn't really know my worth until I got older definitely like I knew that I, like I'm special like I'm different like I'm made like they don't make them like me. Like, like I'm not trying to brag or anything, but like I made definitely like God crafted me a little different than He made other people. When mm. did you when how like how early on did you did you knew that like you was you kind of knew that I'd be all right like in a long term. You just knew you had to do your part as a parent and as a protector. But like well, how, like you like,
1: was potty trained before one, so you was very smart and intelligent already. So we knew, in my mind, and God knew, that he was capable of doing anything. That's why he was named Joshua. Mm -hmm.
0: So you even knew, like, you was like, if I, when I, like, surviving the accident, you just like, he made it. And uh, he's not gone. If if he was going to be gone, he would have been gone already. Yep. Obviously, he's still here. God got him here. He's going to do just great. I just need to make sure that he's going to do great, basically.
1: That's all I need to do was instill that in you and keep you motivated and keep you happy and not let you get bitter and not let you get all sad about it. Mm -hmm. We had to look at the best side of it, which was the happy side. You're still here. You're still walking. You're still talking. You're still capable of doing a lot of things. Yeah of change in the world so that's the way i felt mm-hmm. and i still feel that yeah feel yeah you're still that same that. way like, I, I i'm still like you gotta keep your happiness you know you gotta keep your peace mm-hmm. like he didn't ever want to go to the store with me when he was like having surgeries and stuff and i used to force him come on we going to the store because I needed him to get thicker skin. Like I Mm -hmm. I needed for him to understand that some people was never taught how not to stare at people. Some people was never taught how people are different from you. People needed to be taught that things happen to certain people. Mm -hmm. And he needs to understand that the world is vicious. But going out there with me, and I'm his protector, believe me, I almost mauled a couple of people myself up in grocery stores and everything. And the grown ups was more ignorant than the kids, which made me feel horrible that the grown ups made him feel more horrible. It seemed like they should have protected him more than the kids the kids just was curious and want to ask what happened when the grown-ups was being mean and vicious and he had to stop me a couple of times from going to spank somebody but for that but you know it it made us both stronger to deal with the world and the way they treat people that's different from them so that's the way i looked at it
0: i was just thinking of, i was just thinking of a question um uh... 'Cause I was thinking about all of them times, like even like the Ebola phase. Oh my god, that that stuff drove me crazy. Like uh, adults adults definitely were way more cruel than kids and even to this day, like I mean I still deal with more problems from adults than I do with kids. Now that I'm taller than most people, I'm I'm taller than like the average American. I don't I don't go I felt like people was more bolder when I was when I was sure, shorter man. than them people were way more bolded with what they said now it's now it's like now it's rare but like back then it was every day i mean it was every day me and you would get belittled with comments now it's like every now and then more so people will like do it when i'm walking away type of thing like when i'm not like in there like when i can't make eye contact with them they do it like as they're walking past and they're say something smart
1: I don't know. I just wanted you to be able to sustain yourself and your thoughts without letting people get to you like that. Because my point of view is, if I didn't help you get thicker skin, then they was going to fuck you up in this world. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry for cussing, but that's what it was. So I didn't want them to mess up your bubbly your happy spirit, yo, happy-go-lucky self. No, I didn't want them to mess you up like that. So it was a point of just making sure that you understand that the world could be vicious, but you still could be happy in your own little mm-hmm. bubble. You know, people will say mean things and they will be mean and... Your growth spur was because you was a preemie, so it took a while to start. Like it didn't start with regular kids, that's why it was so short. But people are very mean sometimes,
0: and were you worried?
1: I was worried more when you was away from me than when you was with me. Like when you was out by yourself Mm -hmm. versus being with me. So that's what worried me the most. But I knew I had instilled in you like happy thoughts. Take yourself to your happy place. You know, don't let people words get to you because you know your worth and you know what you are Mm -hmm. and you know what happened to you. So if just ask them, like, if you want to know what happened to me, just ask. You don't have to stare at me like that. Yeah. And so he got to the point where he started being like that, and he started let answer the questions for people, like mm-hmm. because I used to just always say that, know your worth, keep your happy thoughts. yeah,
0: How long was it between because when I woke up, I remember kind of asking like, "Where am I? why am I here?" You guys kind of just like just told me that like I'm sick that i that i that i'm you know getting cared for it and i'm safe and basically i'm where i need to be uh because you guys were kind of instructed to not bring up if i didn't remember straight off the bat to not bring up that like that uh, the actual accident um, yeah
1: that was courtney the therapist yeah she didn't want us to mention it because we might make him go into shock again by mentioning it like we wanted him to get stable of being woke before we mentioned the dog attack.
2: Yeah.
0: And I and I kind of remember like, once you like comfort me and let me know that everything is going to be okay. I just kind of remember that like, that was it. Like I was cool. I was kind of one of them kids. Like once you kind of like vaguely explain the situation, I was just like, oh again, I was focused on the next thing. Focus on the next thing of being he a
1: went kid. He wanted to watch Spongebob. I see Spongebob. Turn Spongebob yeah. on. So he was okay with it. And then uh, later on, after he was, like, up for more than a week, and that's when we had the discussion I with the counselors and everybody in the room with us. And he was stable enough where we could have this discussion.
0: Yeah, it was, a, it was about a week. I felt like it was about a week, a week or two weeks.
1: Yeah, it was a week.
0: And, like, I remember, I just remember having a lot of dreams, like a lot of nightmares. Like, it came to me in my sleep what happened. And then I woke up and I just started to just say everything. And that's when you were just like, I think, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, because it's still kind of a blur to me. Like, with, like having amnesia and, like, having it come back to you, it's weird. But uh, I remember you wanted me to wait until the whole team was there.
1: Yeah, because they, they told me not to, like, really go into detail because you might freak out and it might make you go back backwards and studying and going forward with mm. the healing process. So I did not want to do that. It took you a long time to wake up. So Yeah. I want to keep like the the good part going. So once the team came then I explained everything that, that happened.
0: You you remember that you remember that like that day when I like when I was, like, I think I remember everything. Yeah, and then you
1: start can't, talking to us about it. Can
0: can you, like, walk, even, like, walk me through, like, how did that day go? Or Like, you don't have to go through, like, the long version, but, like, I guess, like, a moderate size version. How did that day actually go, the day that I, like, told you all, like, what happened? Like, it wasn't just that you, morning.
1: You didn't want to tell us, so you had told Courtney, which was the counselor, and he felt bad about grabbing Bam Bam's tail mm-hmm. and breaking him back in there. And uh, she told me, and then I came in there and talked to you, and you told me, and you was like, and hey, you upset with me?" And I was like, "No, you should have let the damn dog go. I didn't care about that damn dog. I care about you." Mm-hmm. And he, he just started crying, and he felt he just took a deep breath. And he was calm. And he said, well, why he do that? I don't know why he did that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Only thing we could think about, it was the first time it ever snowed. That's yeah. the first time they ever been in snow. And they kind of freaked out. But uh, that day was a crazy day. It was really a crazy day to find out. That's why we got attacked.
0: And I remember... I remember being in a hospital bed when I told this story. I think I had just finished with my walk, learning how to walk again. Because cause that was a long process. I mean, that literally took three months. Like, by the time I got discharged and I think it was March 12th or March 14th. March 12th. March 12th, and I got discharged. Like, I had, like, a few days prior, I had just got cleared by PT that, like, that, like so mama. Yeah, I had just got clear <laughs> about PT. Like Josh knows how to walk. He's good. He's running now. Like he's a problem now. That's
1: because you beat her up the stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I tired her out. Um, I remember looking at this sadness off you. All of you guys face. I think auntie, I think like auntie Carmi was there. I I don't remember how many family members is there, but I just remember like all of you guys like pretty much heard the whole just from start to finish together, like, for the first time. Because I do remember telling Courtney about the dog, the tail part, but that was just, like, that one part of the story that I was kind of talking about. But with all of you there, including Dr. G and and, and Ann O'Connor was there, Yeah. uh, I told her the whole thing, whole spiel from first, from beginning all the way to what I remembered all the way up into the ambulance. What was your... Like, what was your, like, thought process that whole entire time while I was telling the story?
1: I was just listening to it, but I was just upset with myself that the dogs actually attacked you like that. And you was worried about somebody being mad at you yeah. for letting them... No, wasn't nobody mad at you. I was more mad at the dogs than anything. I was getting upset that you thought I was mad at you. Yeah. Like I'm not mad at you. There's no way I'd be mad at you. I'm just happy you're here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That 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 was the most important thing was that you was here. And you didn't even know then that you didn't have a nose or no. ears or nothing because no. we wouldn't let you see yourself in right. the mirror because we needed you to like focus, heal oh, first, oh, yeah. and be able to stay woke from a coma. Versus telling you everything right then and there. And then I told Anne to get me a mirror so I could show you.
0: You got any advice for any parents who, you know, are potentially, you know, going through that process of kind of hiding the truth from the truth for the betterment of the kid while they're healing? Like the importance in like You have any advice for that? Cause you guys did a great job. I feel like you guys did a great job open to the ears. The ears are just like um, the cat is out of the hat type of thing. Well,
1: well, we was taking it like it was a lot of things back and forth, like things that he had to learn. Like first, we needed to show him his face, and that was a part that was really, really hard to do because he had no nose. Mm-hmm. It was just the was just whole. The whole right here in his face with a breathing tube, mm-hmm. I mean a food tube, the GI tube going down to feed him. That was, that was what was in the white, yellow, zero foam on his nose, that was it. It wasn't nothing there. And then his lip was tore up, so he couldn't see that. He couldn't see none of this, and he couldn't see this, so. We needed to get to that part first. So we was taking one one stage at a time to tell him about each and every last thing. Like one day we'll let him sit with that with that part of the story. And then like maybe a couple of days later we would tell him because Dr. G had him so wrapped up. He couldn't really see exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. But then I felt like he needed to know about his ears because he was starting to go to the playroom. And it wasn't going to be too long before a kid said something to him about his ears. Mm-hmm. And they was like, oh, well, don't worry about that right now. We need to focus on that. And I said, no, nah, we need to tell him before a kid tell him. And uh, that's when we told him, me and Ann and Dr. G. It was us three in there. And we told you you didn't have no ears. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't upset that he didn't have no ears. His point was that he could never wear glasses, even though he never wore glasses <laughs> the day in his life. But his point was that I'm now going to be able to wear glasses without my ears. Yeah. I was like, well, can you hear? He was like, "Yes." I was like, "Well, you don't need your ears right now. You can hear."
2: Yeah.
1: So he told Doctor Golly. He said, "Is you gonna make me some ears?" And Doctor Golly said, "Yes, we're gonna make you some ears."
0: He said, "I'm gonna make you some ears." Yeah,
1: he's yeah. He said, "I'm gonna make you some ears." I'm gonna ears.
0: make you some ears. Yeah. But
1: it ended up being
0: one of his best friends. Yeah,
1: one of his best friends that made the ears. Yeah, Doctor Dr. Dr. Reese- Dr. Patel and Doctor yeah. Reesberg. They the ones who do the ears and Rosie.
0: Yeah, and Rosie's the animal. and
1: we had Camille for a little while. Yeah, but Rosie is the main one.
0: Yeah, and Rosie is the and postologist. Anapostologists are, um, I, I would consider. I think they have a PhD. I'm not really yeah, sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, PhD in making prosthesis. and uh, she's the one that made majority almost all on prosthesis with the help of Camille for a short span of time. Right. Her and Camille made the very first set they made them from actual color fibers and then over time like the technology upgraded to where it was easier to make ears. It didn't take like several months to a several year but months. the first set of prosthetics i think will forever be the longest part right um because you have to figure so they out they
1: had what... to make them from my ear. yeah they like made
0: them from mom's ears
1: and then he didn't want the hole because my ears are pierced yeah,
0: i don't want the ear pierced hole. I was like, <laughs> that's too girly don't want that
1: so they had to close that in yeah
0: yeah
1: but he didn't want his daddy ears because he said daddy. He didn't have his daddy ears when he was born. God's
0: ears are huge.
1: They're huge, so he didn't want those. So yeah. he wanted the ears he was born with, which was my set of ears. So yeah. he made his ears off of my ears. And uh, he actually gets to wear glasses now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. I got to oh, oh, they're right there.
1: Not to see with, but for protection of his only eye.
0: Yeah, because I only got one left.
1: Devil, his glasses. Uh, he, and he looked very intelligent with his glasses yeah, on. Very gotta, intelligent. For everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he looked very intelligent with his glasses on. Check
0: him out for everyone. Put them back before I break them. Man, I mean, like, I'm getting, you know, it's, it's crazy to say, think about all of them years. Um, you know, we're going to have a surgery coming up and it's going to be kind of like, I feel like those days where we had all of those surgeries, you know, you kind of, you can kind of compare those to like being in a war type of thing. I mean, not like a war against anyone, but those are just such, there was some battles, there was some battles. I mean, just like walking out with like whatever surgery. Theoretically, theoretically speaking, every surgery, low-key, was a success besides, well, yeah, I would say every surgery was a success besides the complications. So, the, 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 the that, that, um, anesthesiologist ripped out my tooth, ripped out my breathing tube, caused me internal lung bleeding. I bled in my lungs for six hours. They had to suction that out. Uh losing each nose they didn't die in the operating room they died after
1: yeah it was a process it was yeah. like i was literally sitting there watching his nose that like and i kept saying it like that's not supposed to be happening yeah. it was literally turning white so i knew the nose was dying at that point point. Yeah. and they didn't believe me but I kept telling them, like, it's dying. And then when Dr. G, because he was gone for like, I he, think three I th- days. Th- yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Three or four days he had left. Yeah. And when he came back, he was like, How y'all didn't see that? Like, this nose is dead. Yeah. He took it off and then he had to lay there again with yeah. no nose. And then he had staph infection because they left it on too long. Yeah. And it was dead. So he had a staph infection, so they had to clean up the staph infection first. Then we had to go back to the drawing board, so they had to put pig skin over his nose for a week in order to get his body enough time to heal.
0: Pig skin is a horrible feeling to have on your face. Hey. It, it, you can crack jokes about it, though. It's a lot of jokes that we definitely did crack about it. Right. But, like, definitely, like, having, no, it was cow skin. Cow skin, it was pig skin. Pig skin, it was pig okay, skin. okay, yeah, and it was furry. It had some hairs on it. it was just...
1: yeah, the pigs had hair? It, hey, it
0: was just weird. It man. was
1: just, it was just a little portion, like. It only so lasted about two weeks. Yeah, I think, no, so you a, still a, could go across, like, and you wouldn't catch anything. Mm-hmm. So. Just to put something there yeah. to protect you. And because you was a busy busybody. Like, <laughs> he would not sit still at that hospital for nothing in the world. Every time he looked brown, he was gone. The only time he came back to the room is the nurse had to call downstairs to the playroom for us to come back up to the room uh-huh. for them to take his temperature, check his blood pressure and all of that, and give him his medicine to make him eat. And then as soon as he got through eating, unless it was bingo, that—that
2: yeah.
1: was the only time we stayed upstairs. We was right back on again, so we never stayed in a room. We was always all over the hospital, everywhere.
0: I tried so hard to stay a kid, and I think there is—I think I had the privilege of that, you know, having many security officers be my friend, because we—we were traveling part, we were traveling through the hospital when like. You're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to do that. And so we had like so many people that was like friends with us, and they knew that it was all for great intentions. Like it was literally for the betterment of me. And they like not that many kids were like me, and we didn't. Not that many kids had a parent who was gonna be behind me, 99 percent of the time, like a whole the whole entire way, and want me to be back to where I was. And so. As long as I still had the spirit, you guys fed that. Like I had the kids' spirit still. I I didn't get broken by the accident. I was still wanted to be a kid each and every day. Each and every year when I thought I was getting ready to go to school, you guys would buy me the uniforms, you guys would buy me the backpacks and the school supplies and everything. And I thought I was going to school September fifth, you know, the day after Labor Day. And then we'll finally have a talk, hey, you're not going to school this year, sorry. Um and I'd be like, dang,
1: man, I really
0: wanted to go back to school, but it was like you guys all... Man, hated-
1: I still wanted you to wear your uniform. Yeah. I still want you to have your boot bag, even though you're just going to the kitchen table. Yes. It was just a part of routine. Like, yes. you still had your your yeah. normal routine. You just wasn't able to go be with the kids because they was too contagious for you to yeah. be around.
0: Yeah. I could I have got more staff infections. I, I could have lost years and years of process i mean we've we've had so many surgeries it being i mean i've i've worked for cps you know now i got to like i didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time in the actual school system because i spent most of it at home school even in high school i spent a good amount of time sometimes at home school still because i was having surgeries but working for cps for the for those two years that i worked with art strauss for cps yeah those schools are very germified, and there's a lot of germs there. So I understand now as an adult why you guys didn't let me go into that that nest hole of germs. Because I, I, I could have died. I could have got sick. I could have got the flu. My immune system wasn't as strong, you know, as some kids were. Um, and you had a trach. Yeah, and I had a trach. Yeah, and trachs are special, but they're also funny. I definitely, if I had a trach, I would, if I had a trach and I could meet someone who also had the trach. Oh, bro, we could make a whole video off of that because having a trick is so funny.
1: And It is. There's
0: so there's so much fun you can do with that. Um, there's two questions that I have from the community that are very that are just like go great with this conversation. Is um, the first question is what was your process of being resilient as a parent? Whose child has endured th- this trauma? So just basically, like, how did you keep yourself strong during the whole entire time with having me going through the hell that I was going through, like that, trauma, like going through the accident? How did you, how did you hold on to that?
1: It was just the point of trying to make him have a little normalcy in a chaotic world, and that was my point of having that so what that entail was making sure you were still a kid making sure that you understood everything that was going on around you and making sure you still got to enjoy life Mm -hmm. so he still got to ride bikes Mm -hmm. he still got to swim in the swimming pool
0: i had to ride bikes until i broke my arm
1: Yeah, that's
0: how you broke your arm. And then mom went and stabbed every single tire to every single bicycle I had. And I couldn't ride a bicycle until I was grown. Literally, I broke my arm when I was like 12 or 13. Broke my arm. I not ride a bike again until I was 18.
1: And you couldn't be with your daddy no more by yourself, neither. Cause that's how you broke your arm going with your daddy. Yeah. And so, no, that that wasn't happening no more because evidently he went watching you. You trying to protect your face. And then he gonna bring him home, Tom Basson. He sprung his, he sprung his arm. Whole bone sticking out like that. I'm like, what the hell?
2: I was like, let me hurry
1: up and get dressed. You done broke your fucking arm. That's not a fucking sprain. That's the break. What the hell is y'all talking about? What's wrong with y'all? I swear. No, no. And then he wound up being in the hospital for four Four days.
0: days. Four days, four whole days. And then he broke
1: it in four different places. Like, really? So, no, you did not need to ride another damn bike. Not another damn bite.
0: They were even thinking they were like, if we not if we can't fix your arm, we might have to like cut. We might have to just cause they were like, You're gonna eventually lose a blood supply to your hand and you're not gonna be we out to the amputate. Luckily they were able Dr. Lee was able to fix everything, but
1: Dr. Lee was brilliant and I told his ass he was not cutting your arm. Yes. Yeah. I said you gonna fix it. So what he did was cut the bone down shorter. Yeah. And he used the pipe. Cause he didn't want to get beat up in that hospital because that's what's going to happen
2: to yeah. him.
1: So he put a pipe next to it, which is a bar, screwed that bar into his bones,
2: mm-hmm. screwed
1: another bar down at the bottom mm-hmm. of it and and put some screws and bolts and plates in there mm-hmm. and my baby still got his arm. Yep. But I was not taking it. Yep. I want you to hear
2: that. The
0: motion isn't 100% and it still snaps when I move it at certain things. But I can power lift I can lift weights I can I can do majority of things with this rest and I you know I I I'm thankful for those four days those four days man
1: it was crazy crazy it was crazy so they were trying I'm they were
0: trying new things every day then but the last the last day they were just like all right we're just going to put you in surgery and just do and then that
1: they had the wear cast for more than 6 months so we go yeah. get the cast cut off, he have red cast, yeah. then he had blue cast, then he had a red cast game. Yeah. So that's how that went. But mm-hmm. the, a child is remarkable. When you think about it, like they really intelligent, they intuitive. So if you let them be a kid, no matter what they going through, they gonna be alright. And that's what I did. Cause I never got a chance to be a kid. I was like always the adult in the whole situation, Take care of my daddy and my mom. So it was a lot. So I, I just wanted my kids to be kids.
0: As a parent, what 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 experience prepared you that like prepared you for a moment like mine?
1: I don't think nothing can prepare you for a moment like that.
0: Dude, you took it, you know you. You took it for those yes. between. Like, you took every single day. You took every single challenge by the by by the thorn. Like,
1: like what everyone says.
0: Like no one. I wouldn't have gotten through that if it wasn't for having a mother like you. Like, you think is there anything in particular that like did that for you? You just you just think that like what?
1: I just felt like I was meant to be a mother. And I don't know, my mother instincts kicked in. I just wanted, you know, everybody always says that like, nobody else could have ever been the mother that I was to him. But I feel like God gave me a challenge each and every time. And I just wanted to see the challenge. Like, I didn't want him to feel that nothing. And so if I don't want him to fail, my goal is that, and I say this all the time, excuses are for losers. Mm -hmm. So we never could use the excuse to get out of anything. So we had to motivate ourselves to get it done. And that's what my motivation was because I couldn't use an excuse to get out of it. So I want to make sure that I do the best that I could to get him through this and to soften the blows because Mm -hmm. that was a hard blow to accept that his whole life had changed. So as long as I could be the loving mother that he needed and be there for him, that was my goal. That had always been my goal. So it didn't change just because you had the accident. The point was that I had to be an even stronger mother for you. Mm that was my goal.
0: In what ways has Joshua life experiences made you a better mom?
1: So by me and him being the only two together, we used to take everything out on each other. And so the back and forth. But well, we had to go to counseling together to realize that the closest person to you is the person that you get most angry with. Because that's the only person that loves you and that's there for you and that that's the one that you take it out on. And so we had to realize that we was angry at each other, but not really angry at each other. We was angry at other people, mm-hmm. but we had to learn that when we get angry at other people, we cannot take it out on each other. Mm-hmm. We need to take a pause, stop, think, and start talking to each other and not yelling at each other. So, I learned that.
0: Yeah.
1: That was a good lesson.
0: I think you learned a lot about, like, I think your faith definitely got a lot stronger with the accident like i know that everybody has you know the same faith and i'm always you know I'll always respectful of everyone's faith but i definitely feel like there was so much in the accident that was outside of your control that there was many moments where you felt helpless where you felt helpless but you knew that like you just threw your trust into god each and every time he didn't that, lead me
1: down this that, way. And
0: that humbled you like that that kept yeah. you humble. He he
1: didn't he didn't keep you here for no reason. So if he kept you and gave you back to me, it was my job to see you through it. And that's the way I looked at it. It was my job to go through everything with you and see you through it. That man, God, has been in my life my whole life. I have had angels my whole life. He has never led me astray, so he keep empowering me each and every day, and I just trust in him. That's 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 what I can say. I just stand on my faith, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: truly believe in it, and that's what give me the bubbly spirit. Cause believe me, I've been through hell myself my whole life, but I always say I'm rich in love. <laughs> yeah. Which is from God and my children, so and my earthly angels. So truly rich in love.
0: Amen to that. And you
1: can't get that unless you flourish it. And it's like a flower. So you keep warding and keep warding about warding his mean doing everything that it needs to survive.
2: Yeah. And
1: so I kept water in his dirt so he could survive.
0: Amen to that. Now, look at them roses behind you.
1: That's why he loved roses, Max. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: going to get to the roses in a minute. Um, but the last one is just they said, no question, but thank you for being an awesome mom and raising a hero. I'm
1: yeah. thankful that I have him in order to be a mom, too, you know. So he's a blessing to y'all, which he's a blessing to me also. Like, he keep me going every day. Like, I call him when I have bad days. To say, <laughs> give me some good. Tell me something happy. Make me happy. Because this year has been really hard for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And at the end of the day, my baby, when nobody else was there, he was right there with me. Helping me through my sorrows of losing my dad and my sister. Yeah. So he's my hero, also. Just as well as I'm his hero, yeah. he's my superhero to me. Yeah, and that's what I'll say to that. All my kids are angels to me. God gave them all to me for a reason and blessed me with yeah. them. So that's the way I always felt about
0: them. Ain't...
1: So to mistreat God's angels is kind of bad. So that's the way I look at it. So just fill them up with love and make them overflow.
0: Amen. I always think about it like, um, you know, like there wasn't there wasn't many people who had a story similar to mine when I was growing up, uh-huh. and you know, or who were doing something that that I'm doing now. And I always remember, like, even like now I sit here, you know, I've you know I've dealt AW, but. I think about, like, you always wanted us to be better than you. We wanted to be just like you and dad, but you wanted us to be better than you. And Mm -hmm. then it was, like, as I got older and, like, you kept saying that, like, over and over again. You wanted us to be better than you. In a way, like, a lot of people who I thought was, like, my heroes, like, they died to me in a way. Like, I, I humanized them. Thanks to you, like, I had to humanize everyone you didn't let me you didn't let me let people get away with with bullshit basically like you wanted me to see everyone that everyone has flaws and like to understand that like you sh- might not should follow every single one because you might end up with their flaws is kind of like my gist of how I kind of interpreted my 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 way of growing up scooter's gonna have a different approach on how he grew up. But for me, like, I just find it to be so unique. It's like, you just like all of us, you just straight cut and butter. Like, I want you to be different than me. Like, yes, you could be inspired by me, but I want you to be better. I want you to set the bar higher than how I set it. I right. like, I don't want you to do anything similar than what I did. Because what I did wasn't good. But I did what, was, I, did what I had to in that moment and that time frame. And you said if you could do it again, you would have did a couple of things a little differently. But you did not want us to like following any of you or dad's footsteps. You wanted us to mold and to be our own person, for sure.
2: When yeah,
1: because y'all have your own identity, and so to be like me would be like low. I wanted y'all to be higher. Like I only went to trade school. I didn't. I didn't go to college. So I was looking at them like to go to college. Yeah. You know, to better themselves in the higher education. Also, in the Chicago public schools that I went to was not like magnet schools or charter schools. So you really didn't learn that much. So mm-hmm. I made sure that they went to charter schools and magnet schools when they was growing up to better their education. So they could be on top of everything. Mm-hmm. But my goal is I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to have kids at a young age. I don't want you to go through the battles that I went through, even though I came out okay. Mm -hmm. I came out okay. I want you to be better than me. Like, even being a parent, I want you to be better than me.
2: Because I
1: still have my flaws. So you learn and you get better. And I didn't want them to be a statistic in life, which is another number. But no. so what they do to kids, they get killed every day. They just say, 35 shot, 8 dead. They don't say their names. They don't put a face to them, which is irritating. Because if you make them human, people will realize that these kids out here are dying. And so they just putting a number to them. So that was my goal, but not to let them be another black man in the streets. Yeah. another statistic of society. I never wanted that. So that was my purpose. That was my goal, to make them young me and make them better than me.
0: And she, my mom did it single-handedly. You know, she was our mom and our dad. We always said that, me and my brother. Like, my mom taught us how to fish. She taught us how to date girls, like... (laughs) She taught us how to tie our ties, even though it was a little crooked. But <laughs> uh, she taught us everything, how to fold clothes, how to do laundry. She taught us how to how to fix a lawnmower, how to fix our bikes. She's the one that taught us how to ride bikes. like
1: How to play football. How to play how to football. Play how to
0: play softball. How to play basketball. Like, mom did everything. Mom had a challenge. I didn't really understand until I got older. like raising a black boy especially in south side of chicago is a job like it's it's a hard job because i didn't know how fast boys like us were getting into the life the street life just easily you know as simple as just an afternoon you know now they now you're a kid almost snatched free the rest of their life type of thing yeah. but no you were you were us, and you kept us sheltered from a lot of that too now scooter was rebellious but that's just you
2: got and, always... and
1: i did do cabinet searches for the rooms like they got shakedowns like they was in jail because you weren't gonna have no drugs or guns in my house right not in my house so i did go in their rooms and they talking about something I'm interrupting their privacy. You don't have no privacy. This is my house. What are you talking about? I'm paying these bills, What?
2: Yeah. So,
1: I'm going to clean your room up and I'm going to search for shit while I'm in there. So, yeah. you better not have no drugs or nothing else. And I found alcohol in the oldest one room. He got, got in trouble for that. Yeah. But besides that, I didn't find nothing else in there. Like, yeah. uh, Grand Theft Auto, he wasn't supposed to have that. And so, I will take that and break it up
2: she because
1: it. if it came to a point where it was supposed to be 16 and older and I didn't take you to the store to bag, then that meant it wasn't supposed to be in my house. Yeah. Because a lot of kids don't grapple with what's going on in them games and they think they could go outside and do it. So I didn't believe that they needed to play that game. until so they fully understood what that game meant.
0: And he wasn't 13. I mean, he wasn't 16. He was like 13 or yeah. like 12 at the time.
1: Yeah, no, so I broke it.
0: Yeah.
1: Just broke it oh, in front of his face. He was like, that's my friends. Well, you shouldn't go get your friend's stuff and bring it to my house.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. you pay for it out of your allowance.
0: I remember that. That was at the old house.
1: Mm-hmm. Old
0: house on the back porch playing the PS1. I think it was... I think it was the second or first Grand Theft Auto, something like that. It looked it look way different than it does now. Yeah. On a tube TV.
2: <laughs>
0: you gotta spit on the C D and clean it on your shirt. Yeah. Was... One time he wiped my face with a with a with a <laughs> with a with a game that's I snitched. I went and told him,
2: why do I feel that <laughs> um, Oh
0: my God, it was, it was the days, but uh Yeah. bomb Coming home from the hospital, um, surprisingly, we lived on the block with with a lot of kids that were all about the same age, like around the same age as me, which is surprising. I don't think that happens to a lot of a lot of a lot of neighborhood a lot of kids, but when you move on the block, but they were all like Alex, all of them were all about the same age as me. Yeah. Uh, mom would get tired of me sitting in the window like a cat watching kids play. And mom one day went and got me three rose bushes and we planted them in the backyard and uh, i never forget, it, she said, these roses will be your friends when you can't have friends. And like people think that that story is like not real and that's how like not how roses got into my thing, but they were like roses. Like I, I lived COVID before COVID existed. So when <laughs> when everyone had to wear a face mask during the pandemic, I laughed at everyone. And I'm if if you if you're offended right now, it's okay. Because right. you did it for two years. You did it how long was COVID? Like two, two, two years. yeah, like two years. I did it for five.
1: Yeah.
0: I did it for five. Off and on for five years. I did it in high school for two years. So definitely, I did it for a long time.
1: Long, long time. Long,
0: long time. I, I had to wear a face mask, and I couldn't be around people. And I had to live, like, weeks in isolation, like, weeks with just people who lived in the house with me. That was the rules. If they, if they live in the house with you, you can see them. And you can hang out with them, have fun with them. But if they don't live in your house, limit your contact because I can get sick. Right. So what would you, like
1: so the roses was like they always bloom and they always beautiful but a rose bush you have multiple blooms so my idea was that we could plant them they could be his babies and he could watch them grow literally because they were stumps when we planted them Mm -hmm. they wasn't live like bushes so he could literally see them come to life Like, because every other month he was having another surgery, so he was back on quarantine. So he would literally be in the house. So the way that he could be outside if he came outside with us, but he couldn't interact with some of the kids sometimes. So he could stay in there and he could literally watch them grow. And that was amazing to me to know that he loved plants. Anyway, because he loved helping me plant because that's what I do. Like, I I make flower beds and everything. Mm -hmm. But I thought roses would be the best flower for him because he had multiple blooms. And they bloom throughout the year. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so, and he had multiple colors. So, if he had multiple colors and multiple blooms, then, like, in the midst of his surgeries and everything... And he come back home, he will have something new to stare at because it'd be new blooms. Mm-hmm. It'd be new roses there instead of just a dead plant
2: mm-hmm. that
1: already bloomed that he didn't get a chance to see.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's why I picked roses because there was multiple blooms and it was multiple flowers. So if he missed a section of them growing, then he'll see the other section grow. And that's why I picked roses.
0: And what do you think now? Like it's it's ten, over 10 years later, and I'm using roses and what probably way differently than you ever thought that I would use roses.
1: Well, he do have a, now has a rose garden in the backyard, yes. nice, pretty rose garden. So I make sure we take care of them. And, and guess what? He gets to look out his bedroom and yes. see his roses again. again. So that's the way that goes. But to use them as healing. It makes me humble and sad that I was able to get him something to look up to and to look forward to growing and see life in it. Mm-hmm. And now he just loves the way roses are, which yeah. it, it humbles me and touched me in the heart about it.
0: And you know, I consider everyone in the community, I consider all of us a rose and we're, we're thorny. We Some of us have more thorns than others. Some right. of us have you know, stronger backbones and I feel like, you know, we're always going you know, through these seasons of wilting and growing, but then there's going to be a season where we don't blossom at all. Right. I've had a couple of those with the roses.
1: Right.
0: But then they come back one year, and they're just more beautiful than I ever remembered. And I definitely think of us as humans that same way.
1: And that's a good way of looking at life. That's just that's why it humbles me, because that's, that's an excellent way of looking at life. Like, some years are good. Yeah. Some years are bad. Some years we a little thorny where we yeah. fussing and, and arguing <laughs> and fighting with each yeah. other. And then other years we just beautiful and looking like the beautiful, gorgeous rose that it is. So yeah. and it's amazing like how many colors you can get Yeah. what different sizes. Like you could get the little bitty tiny roses or you could get the big roses or you could get the rose bush. Yeah. So we actually had one little stem that came out the bag, and that's what we had to plant. And so Lily, to watch them grow from just nothing but a thorny stem all the way to a beautiful big bush.
0: That took over the whole gate.
1: Yeah, it took over the whole gate. And he learned how to feed them, water them, and prune them and take care of them. Yes. So that was his job. So that was my way of getting him out the house cause he had to take care of his babies. Cause sometimes he never wants to come out the house with me. So he loved helping me garden. So that was my way of getting him outside to help me garden. Then once he got used to being outside then I started getting the kids to come down and play with him, And then he got to be friends with the kids in the community. And then he still was on his flowers. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot of blossom. He was blossoming while the flowers was blossoming, which made me so proud of him because he came out of his shield at the same time that the roses came out of their shield, which was a beautiful thing for me. For forget
0: spending those, those springs with them. Um, the spring summers, like they bloomed all year. Yeah. Some of them bloom. Sometimes they bloom, and some sometimes they didn't. I think it was only like two years. They they didn't bloom yeah, that well. Two years they didn't the bloom. The first year, and I think that third year. I think yeah, I had something. to
1: get them some medicine. Yeah. I think it was the, it was because of the apple tree we I had. So. Like the apple tree had too many insects next to it, mm-hmm. so they was killing the roses. So, I had to get the special treatment for the roses, which remanded me this year that I need to get the special treatment. So we ordered it this year where you spray it on the roses to keep them from turning brown and spots and spotting mm-hmm. up and willing it out. So it makes them last longer and it, it gives them uh vitamins and nutrients that they need and also like antibiotics to keep them from getting infected.
0: And now they look great. Well, it's cold now. They, they're they hyping Yeah, they're hyping yeah,
1: they it. Before
0: I ask you the last question that I ask everyone at the end of the show, do you have any questions for me?
1: How do you feel on the 16th anniversary of the accident?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I feel, you know, overall, I feel really good about everything. Like, I am just like, it's been a hell of a 16 years. And like I, I'm very honest to say, like I didn't, I didn't expect to make it this far. I think like I kind of thought my max, my cap out was probably going to be like, like all of that stuff that you saw me go through in high school. I was dealing with that in high school, and outside of high school, and then dealing with dad, and then dealing with just everything
1: domestic relationship yeah
0: domestic relationship but like before even the domestic relationship like just like when i made it to 18 i was just like i didn't expect like i was just like so hurt by so many different things like i still had that bubbly spirit but like i was still just so hurt by so much that was going on because people just wouldn't accept me. And it wasn't that like I want it's not like I think people would think when I when I say that that I wanted everyone to just love and just attract to me. I it's just that you like no one knows how much hell that people do to people who look like me. Like you know it. Not everybody's gonna listen to this is gonna know. Like we people did some heinous stuff to me as like as a young kid, especially in high school So it's just like dang i still gotta go through this so like i was so hurt
1: i had came up that boy they wouldn't let me go find that little boy if i could have found them it would have been some trouble but you know to each his own and everything that you do to a person you need to realize that it will come back around and bite you in your butt so in order to be the nice person that you trying to be, you need to treat people with kindness mm-hmm. and human human decency and respect the same thing you want to be treated with. Yeah. And that will humble you.
0: Yeah. 100%. Like... You know, having those lessons, going to 18, I never thought that I was going to make it. Like, I I remember younger Josh always was like, I don't, I never saw, I knew that I was going to art school, you know, like, we had the whole thing. There's a blog about it, so we don't have to go too heavily in that. But, like, I knew I was going to art school, but, like, younger Josh never really thought about what what, what adult Josh, like, there wasn't too, there was ideas, but there wasn't too much Envisionment of it. I just didn't think that I was gonna be here this long. And I now, did
1: this area. Yeah, and told him this is where you are gonna be. Yeah, this ghetto.
0: Yeah,
1: right here. Where nearly, you need to be. nearly
0: ten years later, I ended up He's having a warehouse spot. space in the same area. Yeah, I just I and and so today <clears> I woke up. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't. Well, I slept, but I had so many nightmares last night. And I now that I'm getting older my nightmares aren't always just about the accident. They're a combination of like a lot of things. So like, it's like maybe 40% of my nightmares now are accident related, like us moving back to that house. I'm going back to that backyard. And now we're supposed to have like this. Like I've had this dream last, so last night I had this pretend dream, like that like we moved back there, you were gonna flip that house over and then I had this whole idea It's like, I'm gonna go back there and I'm gonna take these photos. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good enough to do all of this. And you're like, yeah, the house is different. You know, it shouldn't trigger you or anything. And like, every, every time I went in that backyard, it just freaked me the hell out.
1: Oh, I wouldn't do you like that. And
0: and I and I knew it was a dream, but I didn't know how to escape it. Certain dreams get so strong, I just don't know how to escape them anymore. Like, I've gotten really strong with my dreams. I know how to get out of them. But like certain dreams like those, I'm just stuck in them. And I remember, like, being in that backyard, and I was just like, I felt so low. I was just like, I could see everything all over again. And it's just like, I remember things getting ripped off and the bites and everything. And then... um. I started having dreams about, so now so I have dreams about the house, the accident. Then I have dreams about, almost said her name. I'm glad I didn't. But I have dreams about getting my ass kicked by my ex. Like really, I mean, there's. I never would have thought I would end up anything like that. And I waking up out of your sleep, getting going through that abuse that I went through with her. And now I have to have the surgery because, well, a huge part of the, the severity of the surgery is due to her. And then I also have like nightmares about you and dad fighting. And but those are like a very small spectrum. That's like ten that's like maybe fifteen percent of my nightmares are those. Forty percent the accident and then I'm bad at math, but whatever's left percentage is like is like that whole domestic relationship but
1: and so because I was in growing up in a domestic household so when you grow up in a domestic household you think it's okay because you've seen it happen in your house so you think it's okay so that's why I always like instilled in y'all not to be me but to be better than me Yeah, and that 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 was my goal for you not to have to go through that But relatively, you know, you're going to go through it because you saw it in your house. So you thought it was naturally normal for this to happen. But like.
0: And I thought I could fix her.
1: You can fix anybody. They have to want to fix themselves. That is God's job in between them. Like nobody else. That's it. That's the only people that could fix a person. Yes. You cannot sit there and think in your head that you can fix somebody. Yeah. You cannot fix somebody. No. They have to want to be fixed themselves. They have to figure out that they have something wrong with them. You know that's something wrong with them. But in most cases, they do not know that it's something wrong with them. You know, so in order for them to know, y'all need to go to counseling and it's not okay to heat each other. It's not no. okay to fight. Domestic balance is not okay. Yeah. And so that's why I always wanted y'all to be better than us.
2: Yeah.
0: I'll say it on a good note, though. Like, I feel really good about today. I'm wearing all white for a reason. Uh, I thought about this yesterday. I, I didn't know it was snowing. I didn't know it was going to snow today. I don't feel I don't. Watch the weather anymore? I stopped doing that for some reason, um, long time ago. Like I just go out, I just wake up and I just be like, oh, it's sunny today. <laughs>
2: it's kind of.
1: I've been missing the sun. Yeah, like I, the uh, yesterday the sun came out. I stuck my face through the curtain <laughs> just to get some of the sun. Yeah. I just wanted to feel the sun on my face. It's just yeah. something about the sun. You some, the sun it. is
0: the sun is the sun is hopeful. There's a lot of and I I metaphor the sun a lot is like. You know, there's a lot of cloudy days. I think, like, it, it could be summer. It could be really hot. It could be, you could living in a place that has 90% sunlight. But, like, it doesn't matter to someone who struggles with mental illness.
1: My idea then that is if you couldn't get no sunlight to make you happy, turn on your favorite song and be <laughs> as goofy as you could be dancing around the house. I don't care if you can't dance, bounce. Yeah. And that will lighten your spirit up. It will. It will. will. Because that's what I do.
0: That's what what she made me do.
1: Yeah, it it just it just helps. It just helps. That's just just a little something that helps. That's all. That's all. And I always say go to your happy spot. Like your happy spot could be an island, a beach, somewhere beautiful. Imagine yourself there. Cause I always imagine myself laying out in the sun on a beautiful beach, or somebody bringing me a coconut drink with the umbrella in it, right? With my big old <laughs> hat on it, and I'm enjoying myself in the sunlight when I'm doing yeah. the goofy dance, you know, that's, yeah. that's what i be envisioning. So that's how I keep it going and keep yeah. it sparky.
0: That's definitely how you, like, you, you used to always make me play me. I listen to, did I tell you, like Spotify said, I listen to 129,000 hours of music this year alone, like 2023.
1: Yeah, because yeah, you were sending shots out to your your people, Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, some of, the, some of the artists I listen to. But uh, every single year, I always like to reflect. I look on the, like the last, we 65. But this year, I think, when I hit 15, 15 was huge last year. But like, now looking at this year, I'm here in this space. I built the community off of my story and now i look back and i'm like because i mean this is potentially the last month in this in this space until i till i heal from my surge and come back so like it's kind of a little bit of a it's a it's,
1: bittersweet yeah, moment. yeah it's a
0: bitter it's a bittersweet moment and so like as i see as this like potential last month i'm looking at like i built the legacy like and and, uh, I mean, that luxury is going to keep going, but, like, when I woke up this morning at 3, and I was like, man, I hate these fucking dreams. Like, I was just like, I can't stand these damn dreams. Like, I, I hate how it comes every year around the same time, and it's like there's no, really no way to really avoid them. They Some years are better. Some years are worse. Last year was definitely heavy. This year is definitely a lot better than last year. I definitely can say that because this year I'm not using edibles to help me sleep. Um i can i think i'll make it through but um i love the fact that like if i look back there's so much hope there's so much that i've done that i've achieved that i you know through the hardest moments we we made a laugh we cracked the joke about it yeah. and it shows that like it does get better like and it always gets better and so when i think about we're at year 16 we're gonna have four surgeries possibly next year uh, I'm just like it gets better, you know. It tells me like it gets better. I got Chloe at year fourteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Chloe's over there, knocked out, she sleep, everyone. See. I would turn the camera on her, but she, 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 she likes her privacy. <laughs> um, I got her at year fourteen. And I bet you like even like you know that's my blowing belonging. Sometimes I even think like going through all of that. And then having a dog. But I never really ruled out a dog. I just did, I just always declared that I would never get a pit bull. I made that clear and I made it clear that I never hated pit bulls. I just don't want one. you know, I don't want one.
1: He but fell in love with one though. Yeah. His cousin Erica Round's dog.
0: She got rid of that dog, so Yeah,
1: but he fell in love with her. Because she had puppies and she got a little meaner when she had the puppy. That's how they are, yeah. But uh he actually was concerned about her. He like, where the dog at? Let her in. What is she doing? Because like, no, we're not letting her in. You here. No, it's okay. She could come in. She come get right up under him.
0: Yeah. I don't know what was about her, but I, I just felt it's just a great connection. She kind of looked like, shoot, not going to lie. But, like, it's just, I don't know. I just felt like she's just such, she didn't deserve the hate that people place on pit bulls. Like, I felt like that particular pit bull that I interacted with. Also, I'm living at her house. But, like, I just felt like she was just so innocent. The whole entire time. Like, this dog is so innocent. Like, I think, like, I look at Chloe. Chloe's just so innocent. There is no reason for me to put the same biases that people put on this breed with this particular dog. She didn't. She didn't. And and that dog. That, that dog. She that,
1: didn't even bark.
0: Yeah, she didn't even have a mean oh, voice. Yeah. I go, like Chloe. Chloe woke up from her nap. She and me talking about other dogs. She's getting jealous now. But uh, I think about all of that growth, all of that achievement, and just being like, yo, if I can do that, if I can go through 15 years, well, 16 years of these nightmares, and I can wake up and still choose to be alive and still choose to help others and still choose to, like, live every day with with grace and live every day with kindness and still willing to learn and to seek knowledge and to be the best version i could be as if it's my last day i'm just on you know i'm just forever honored and so like wearing wearing white today i don't know why but i don't get white dirty most times when i wear it i'm like a little untouchable when it comes to my white but i'm just like today is just a pure like i feel really pure about today I feel really pure about this anniversary. It's emotional. And um, I think one thing that I hate about every anniversary, I think is the fact that I had the accident at, so, at such a young age when your brain is still developing that like, I I wish I didn't remember exactly how each bite feels. I think that's the biggest thing for me like living this long after i thought i would have forgot like what the sensation feels like and it if it it fucking destroys me when i like when i get triggered like that but like other than that like i can say i feel really good today like i i don't feel suicidal i don't feel depressed i don't feel sad Uh, i feel really good about today and i feel really good about Making it through the last sixteen years to make it to today, because there is many times where I wanted to give up, where I tried to give up. I had two suicide attempts. I had so many bad things happen to me in my life that happened after the accident. The accident was really just a start of bad things.
1: Right. Losing my nose, like
0: losing, you know, all of that stuff. Um, I mean, the family broke up, and the family broke up in half, and all of that stuff, and. <laughs> Close. Sit. Go sit down. Go sit down. Good girl. <coughs> uh, okay. What's up?
1: She said it's my turn for some love.
0: Yeah, but uh, going through all of that, like, you know, I definitely could sit here and say like, it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. I wouldn't do it any differently. Uh, I wouldn't do that relationship. I, I, I would have left sooner though. If I, that would be the one thing I would do differently, I would have left a lot sooner. But if it wasn't for that relationship, I wouldn't have made I wouldn't have built this community and a whole lot of stuff. I probably wouldn't have Chloe. I'd probably still be in an expensive apartment because they don't like dogs. So I wouldn't have Chloe. So everything works out for, for, a, for reason. a reason. It just it's hard to see it in the moment that it's worth that it's worth it because you're going through so much. And I also said like when someone like if someone went through something hard and they're still dealing with it right now like if it's still fresh blood to not say that oh you're gonna find the reason in this later i, I think that's like bad advice to say up front Mm-mm. but like yeah. if you say that like later down the road like a year later or a few months later like hey there might be a lesson learned there that's better that's better but like saying it the same day of the well, day you, of,
1: you I think take so. it as a lesson yeah and you learn from it. It's it's a lot that we have to learn from. So
0: and it it's optional.
1: Everything is a lesson in life. Mm-hmm. But each and every time, you just learn from it and grow from it from your experiences. Because each experience of life is experience that gets you ready for the next part of life. Not to say like the attack was a experience. It was just the way you was going come out of it which makes it a lifelong experience and then you could like share your love and your gratitude to other people to make them humble and feel great about themselves so i just feel the love and all over here oh yeah so
0: my last thing before you go for the day um, before you go go out and go to work, and I'm going to edit this and try to get this out today, is um, what advice do you have for someone who's, who's struggling and who's going through a hard time or having a hard time seeing that hope exists? What advice do you have for them? I'll let you have the floor to take up that as long as you want.
1: All I could say is I don't know if you believe in God or not, but I would tell you like this, figure out how much you love yourself, and truly he wouldn't have you here if you he was you was truly worth being here and once you love yourself, you will know that even through the battles of what you're going through, that God loves you no matter what. If you can't say in your mouth that nobody else on this earth loves you, when he held you in his arms, before he sent you down here to your parents, he knew what you was gonna be. And he has love for you. Mm -hmm. And so you need to get you a little help, find a buddy or a friend to talk to. Counselor. Counselor. I know some people don't like counseling, yeah. but a friend first that mm-hmm. you could depend on. And then, you know, maybe take them with you to go to the counselor. Mm-hmm. And you just go in the room by yourself and talk to the counselor. But at least you know you got support on the other side of that room. And to know that God always loves you and he's always with you, no matter what you do. He's a very forgiving God. Yeah. No, that's the way I look at life. Or well, find hey. some roses and plant. Because <laughs> <laughs> roses make you feel better too. Yeah right. Like, and some same I buy myself roses and I buy Josh roses just to smell them in the house, just to have them in a the warehouse, so you could look at some beautiful. And then you got something to take care of, you know. You you got other things to do. So it's a blessing that you're here with us. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing that you know that somebody loves you. And I would just say, tell yourself, it's worth being here. You are worth being here. And it's one second, one minute at a time. Yes. Yes. And
0: that's all you could do.
1: And to know that you are loved.
0: Mm-hmm. Forever loved.
1: Forever loved.
0: Regardless of personal characteristics, regardless of challenges, regardless of how much you mess up. No. You're, 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 you're
2: loved.
1: He's a very forgiving God, yeah. no matter what you do. So love on yourself. So don't nobody else give you a hug. Take your arms, wrap it around you, and give yourself a great big hug and say, you know what? I love you, and that's what you need to do. I do it every day when I wake up, and I tell God, thank you for waking me up to give me my breath and my body for me to continue to do his work that he need me to do down here on earth. Yes. Until he calls me back up there. Yeah.
2: I'm
1: gonna continue to do his work. Yes. And that's the way I feel. I appreciate you asking me Little old mom to be here with you, but look, when they had that when they had their kids, I'm not gonna be grandma. I'm nana. I just want y'all to know that I'm nana.
0: So you want the community to call you nana from that point on? or You want them to still call you?
1: No, I could be mom, but huh? I'm just saying, when when y'all had, when they had their kids, I'm being nana with the wisdom up there. Okay, all right. I mean, uh, that's what I'm saying. Cause you know, most of y'all know Nana as being the loving one, the one that come to you, the one that takes care of you, that looks out for y'all. I am a Nana already, even though I ain't got no grandkids yet, but I'm a Nana. Yeah, Nana. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, that wraps it up. Uh, what is this? Two hour episodes. Um, <laughs> the Healing Hearts podcast on this very special day. Um, and, you know, thank mom for coming through. This is actually her idea. Uh, I usually don't plan out what I'm doing for that, for the anniversary. I usually do it like last second, what, I, what I'm what i going to do. But it was her actual idea to, for us to have this day, to have this conversation. This conversation that we don't have enough of regarding, regarding white elephant in the room, convers- like topics regarding mental health, regarding you know, how do we how do we talk about trauma safely? How can we safely support one another? How can we support safely show up for one another and be there through the hardest times and kind of figure it out together? And so I hope you all learned a lot from yeah. us, learned a lot from what we're talking about. And uh, Mom will probably be back again, knowing, yeah. knowing her. She'll be back. I'll be back. She'll
2: be back.
1: There's no I in team. It's always the E right there. So it's a we.
2: Yes. That's
1: what we do. There's no I in team. And teamwork makes the dream work.
0: Yes. I love <laughs> you all. Hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Hearts um, Podcast. And also leave a like, share, follow us, share it to everyone in the world. Um, let more people listen to the, listen to us, and this is our story. Um, two separate sides of the accident, but the same team. You know, the same team going through it, through, through and through. And for those of you that, that didn't believe me, hey, that that was the person that witnessed everything, and she backed She backed me up. So
1: God bless y'all. May y'all have a good rest of y'all day, and happy holidays to everyone. Bye bye. Yeah.